This is episode 311, right? It is. So, will you have like a 311 song be the intro? <laughs> um, probably, actually, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Beautiful disaster. We could just have you singing a 311 song. <laughs> That's the intro. Good morning, and welcome to episode 311 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindbergh, joined by Sam Miller, and today we are joined again by Baseball Prospectus's Russell Carlton, uh, who has joined us before and who has served as a, a sabermetric consultant to the show on many occasions. Uh, we are recording this on Saturday night for scheduling reasons. Uh, it is about to be the top of the ninth in in Boston, so uh, we will probably say something about that or note something as it happens. But we have had Russell on here to talk about some of the, the things that he has written recently and kind of do a, a playoff Mythbusters sort of episode because that's the, the sort of article that he's been writing lately. And we'll, we'll probably do a, a World Series preview of sorts on Tuesday or Wednesday. But for now, uh, Russell, who has the momentum heading into the World Series, would you say? Uh, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because because momentum is apparently this thing that's so easy to get mm-hmm. that, you know, if you just like, you know, single, oh, he's got the momentum. Now, though, though the Cardinals have the momentum. Oh, no, now the Dodgers. have. <laughs> it's it's wonderful how I mean, I, it, it feels like, you know, you, when you're a kid and you take a glove to the stadium and you hope to catch a foul ball. If you catch a foul ball, you might have the momentum. <laughs> I mean, it's that easy to get. Well, the the Victorino Grand Slam was a direct result of the Ortiz Grand Slam. They were separated by a few games, but it it, it was a carryover effect, one would assume. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and and so the Victorino Grand Slam then will produce its own carryover effect into Game One of the World Series. Um, you know, Ben Ben, that's that's about like saying every time I come on the show, my wife has a baby. So <laughs> there is a correlation um, there. I you know what? It, so that means in a couple days. Um, <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> I I hope she knows that. <laughs> well, uh, okay. Well, let's start with with uh, with your momentum article, I guess. Uh, and you, and it, it's been a very very fertile ground for baseball prospectus over the years. I would mm-hmm. say to look at at you know things that people say without necessarily having any evidence to back up what they say, and. Yeah. And use it, you know, looking at the data to see if the data supports those things. And I like writing those articles, and we've all written those articles. I like when you write those articles for one thing because you actually have the the, the chops to see whether these things are true. Whereas I will just like ask you when I want to do one. Um, you can just do it yourself. And then the other reason is I feel like you are very open-minded about these things, whereas. Some people would would maybe go into writing these articles having already made up their minds about, you know, so-and-so said something stupid and I'm going to prove them wrong. You are are very nice. I feel like almost too nice sometimes in your in your open-mindedness to the things that people say. And uh, and it's nice to see that because you'll, you'll actually look for reasons why people might say something or a way in which it might be true. And... Uh, so, so the, the most recent one you did was inspired by Ortiz's home run. And I, I guess you could also do the same analysis for the Victorino home run, but you looked at, at momentum and, uh, Mm -hmm. whether there's anything to that and what did you find? 
I found nothing. <laughs> and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, there, it's it, this is the time of year that is really bad, really bad amateur pop psychology. And, you know, you, I, you talk about trying to be open-minded. And it's the sort of thing where a lot of times what's great is that these are actually said in ways that you could, you could, you know, you can form a hypothesis, you can test it, you can pull the data, you run the numerical gymnastics, and then, you know, the numbers sitting there right there for you, um, whether or not it's true. So, I mean, it's, it's not so much being open-minded. I you know, usually I have an idea of what's going to come up, but sometimes mm -hmm. it's surprising. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, you know, I looked and I said, okay, let's find, um, what was it, like eighth inning or later, and the team was losing, um, but then they came back and they won the game. And that's happened 51 times in the postseason. And um, uh, if anything, I think it actually had a small negative effect um, on, uh, on that team in the next game. So, you know, it's one of those things you can, you can check out. You can see for yourself. And why do you think it is that this time of year in particular is such a, a hot time for, for these sorts of conclusions that are kind of baseless? Oh, because everyone's watching and it's all, I mean, it's, it's high leverage. It's, I mean, it's, you know, we, you think about a game that happened back in May and, you know, nobody really remembers what's going to happen and nobody's going to remember what happened unless some specific event, a perfect game, a no hitter or whatever happened. Um, but, you know, you're, if you look on, you know, MLB classics and, and in there, the games they have are all from the playoffs. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of meaning that goes along with it. So um, I think that, you know, everybody kind of has their, um, this competition to have a hot take um, on, you know, what's what's going to happen and seeming uh, seeming like they kind of know what's going on. And it's easy to grasp onto these theories that just kind of, you know, are generated from thin air mm -hmm. um, and have just been repeated so much that uh, they've become part of baseball lore. If I if I if I could stand up for even the uh, disproven the disproven hypothesis uh, in this case, I mean it seems to me that one of the things that makes these so attractive in the playoffs is that there's there's only one play like what makes baseball work is that there's two thousand four hundred and thirty games to theoretically even everything out in the playoffs everything is really comes down to one game uh, a lot of times or or one at bat and so when you say that momentum you checked and you know there was no momentum effect well what you mean is that in in the aggregate there was no effect that doesn't necessarily rule out that sometimes there might be a positive effect and sometimes there might be a negative effect and maybe the overwhelming majority of the time or maybe some of the time uh, or maybe every time except for two there's no effect whatsoever but that doesn't actually rule out that there's never an effect and no, so that doesn't right. it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make for good analysis to uh, to accept any conceivable possibility and then make it the basis of your narrative. I mean, that's bad analysis. And yet mm -hmm. you can understand why it's sort of attractive for people who have to talk about baseball constantly. Yeah. But then you get you get run into the trap of, you know, oh, there's there's never an effect. There's never an effect except for this one time that happens to be for the guy that I you know, my, oh, my yeah. team is the exception. Oh, and, it's garbage analysis. There's no yeah. doubt it's garbage analysis. But you can sort of see why it's attractive. And, and oh, you sure. can also sort of see why, uh, you know, f from the perspective of trying to disprove it, mm -hmm. it's it's also a little bit of an, of an impossibility as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you at the end at the end of your articles you generally do a, a, a takeaway that sort of follows the the hardcore math stuff and I thought your your takeaway for this article was was interesting if you recall what you wrote about why, why momentum doesn't matter or, or why it it doesn't seem to produce a large effect I thought can you can you talk about that a little bit about uh, you know the coping strategies or, or whatever it is that yeah, I, I think this kind of falls into what I, I like to call the video game blindness illusion of, of baseball. And um, it, it's as if, you know, when, when you're playing a video game, you know, if you want to play the next game, you just, you know, whatever, and the next game comes right up. Well, you know, there's, there's, you know, roughly after the, you know, the Ortiz home run, the Tigers, I'm sure, went to their locker room, uh, said a few naughty words and uh, were angry and threw stuff and did all that sort of stuff. And then, um, but then they also probably went home or they was, that was a travel day and they had a, another day off and they had a couple nights to sleep, it sleep it off. And, um, you know, and, and then there's time in there to say, okay, the proper thing to say is that was one game. It sucks. We lost. Okay. We can move on. We can go on to the next thing. And, you know, there should be in any major league clubhouse, there should be some mechanism for doing that. And I, the takeaway I give is that the momentum argument from game to game is kind of an insult. It's kind of saying, you know, you guys aren't professional enough to, to have those, those coping mechanisms either personally or organizationally uh, to fall back on. And, that, you know, that's, that's something that you guys just don't have is what we're really saying because, you know, would, that would have been 40 what, 45 hours later when they set foot on the, on the field for game three, that you haven't figured out a way to get past it, um, which is the obvious thing to do and which you have to do. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, Russell, when you go into these sorts of myth-busting type things, I mean, each of these myths or if you want to call them a hypothesis or just, mm-hmm. you know, passed down piece of wisdom or whatever, mm-hmm. it is, you know, it has basically come from 100 years of, you know, baseball men observing and theoretically, you know, uh, uh, using their, you know, empirical experience mm-hmm. to try to draw some wisdom out of it. And so, uh, I, and yet, I mean, as, as, it, as has been shown time and again, this hundred years produces things that are totally wrong. Um, I'm curious, when you go in, do you expect to find a, an effect? Do you, do you expect to find confirmation of baseball wisdom uh, or do you expect to find nothing I desperately try to keep an open mind. That's, I mean, the, the nice thing about, you know, doing gory math is that in some sense, you, 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 the spreadsheet does it for you. You can't interject your opinion into what the numbers will, will, will uh, bear out. I mean, that's just, that's the way it is. Um, but I, I will say that, you know, a lot of times when I hear these things, I kind of want it to be false because, it, you know, it makes for a better article um, because, you know, you can kind of you can kind of say, oh, I smacked that one down. Mm-hmm. And, there's, you know, the the um, the the um, <laughs> I guess the little troublemaker inside me that just kind of wants it to be false. Um, but, you know, it's it's something that. Um, a lot of times I kind of expect it to be, and sometimes I'll have a reason for that. And um, sometimes I'll just be kind of like, you know, I just, I don't, I don't even know how that one would fall out. Uh, and there's times that I've, you know, I've kind of been staring at the numbers afterward and kind of going, huh, what do you know? I was wrong. 
I I like the ones where you find where you confirm much more. Yeah. Because to, to me, those, to me, yeah. all the yeah, to me, all of this stuff has been in my head rejected. Like after you know after. 10 years of reading BP, I just assume that anything that, that, that smells of narrative is, is hogwash. And I, I just, I absolutely love it when there's some confirmation of the, of the old baseball wisdom. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of reassuring to think that these guys sort of know something that, um, you know, that we, that we did miss. And so like, like when you found that, I mean, and obviously this is not a, not <laughs> this was. I don't think you drew conclusions from this, but when you found that Brandon Inge's teammates actually do hit slightly more home runs, uh, like I loved that. That was great. Like anytime you find an effect, I, I think it's much more enjoyable. Yeah, and I mean we all kind of as sabermetricians grew up in the Bill James era where there was just there were just so many of these things that were proven false that yeah. you know you're, I think you're right. There's kind of a reflexive oh that 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 must be garbage. You know that's that. And you know, I, 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 I usually find myself saying, okay, got to be a good scientist, got to be a good scientist, can't presuppose. And, you know, that's um, maybe, maybe it's something that, uh, the, um, that, you know, we've kind of, there's things that we just kind of assumed, but we've never actually done the, uh, the math on and you know, that uh, maybe they are true. I don't know. Well, if you had found that momentum did matter, I'd like to think that we would have had you on anyway. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so the next the next hypothesis uh, that you looked oh. into was whether postseason experience matters, uh, and this mm-hmm. was this was one of those times when I want to write an article and I don't know how, <laughs> and I email you and say, please write this article because I want to I want to read it, but I I am incapable of writing it. Uh, so you looked at this, and it seemed like. For all, if, you know, you hear about it all the time. Postseason experience matters when you get to the playoffs. You want someone who's been there before. Um, and I hadn't really seen an analysis of like the impact on individual performance of players. I'd seen some stuff on whether experienced teams won yeah. more, but not so much on the on the individual player level. So you looked at that, uh, and I have set you up to talk about that now. <laughs> well, there was a study that was done in I think 2008 by uh, Dave Gasco, um, who and he found he found some evidence that actually more experienced teams were more likely to win their series. And, yeah. Uh, and and so there's there's that. And I mean, I I looked through his method. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. And um, that that made sense. I looked at it on an individual level, and that is, you know, you uh, Ben Lindbergh, you are the uh, the veteran of uh, three World Series beforehand, and now that you're this is uh, old hat for you you sam miller this is your first time you're just so scared and (laughs) and and so the uh um i looked and i i said okay does it uh does it really matter um if you've been there before and the answer was no um on a personal level so you know i looked and i said you know these guys are generally performing in line with what we would expect from them as uh uh, as far as from their what their regular season stats would suggest, and I looked at it a different, couple of different ways. You know, how many at bats have you had before? How many games have you played in? How many uh, is this your first? Is this just your first postseason? Something along those lines, and uh, kind of constantly came up uh, snake eyes on on whether there was an effect. The thing about it was is that I, I got some emails behind the scenes, and and people said, well, you know, what about um, what about something like, you know, maybe you have a team full of rookies 
and you have a guy who maybe isn't playing much in the, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, and, and he's there to kind of calm everybody down or keep the clubhouse loose or something like that. And in that in that case, um, he might not even set foot on the player on the on the field. He might be the twenty fifth guy on the on the bench. Um, but in that way, it does. And I, I I would have to say, you know, that's something that I can't directly, at least not yet, uh, test. Um, and that's something that, you know, maybe there is something to be said for, for that, but in terms of just personal experience, there just wasn't an effect. So you would still possibly entertain the idea that there could be a benefit to say trading for Michael Young down the stretch, even if you don't think Michael Young is going to make your baseball team better stat wise. Well, if you, if you buy the Michael Young is, is a clubhouse God, um, argument, Mm -hmm. um, then you know, maybe there is something to that. I mean, I, I it, it's one of those that, you know, I have to kind of re- retain a, an agnosticism about that. I don't, uh, I, I just don't know. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. I, I would entertain that hypothesis. Mm-hmm. And if somebody wanted to float that out there, that would be, uh, that's fair game for, for investigation. So uh, a couple of days ago, Ben and I, uh, argued a little bit about whether David Ortiz's Grand Slam had uh, further benefits, uh, you know, beyond just what it, what, you know, what it did for that specific game. And, and my, my, my hypothesis was that it seemed, it seemed reasonable to me that a, a team that was uh, down to nothing, uh, you know, going on the road, uh, facing, you know, facing Verlander the next day um, and, uh, you know, disheartened and, and destitute, uh, might be in a in a in a slightly worse space than a team that had you know had, had tied the series, and so that to some degree that was a momentum thing, but to some degree it was just sort of a um, you know like a self-reflection thing. I mean, a, a team that that does something like that might think better of themselves, and that it might have a so anyway. I I hypothesized a, a, a small enough effect, a one percent effect, uh, small enough such that it could virtually never be disproven. That's mm-hmm. my uh, that's my way of arguing. Uh, with a big uh, enough data set, you can you can you can get extra one percent. But in baseball, you'll never probably get a bit in a big enough data set. But I'm just curious uh, if you uh, how, uh, do you, would uh, that was a lot of that was a lot of sounds <laughs> and no words. Uh, how would you look at that question if you um, wanted to figure out whether teams that um, you know are trailing in a series do worse than expected from that point on how would you approach that because the team that's trailing in the series might also actually just be the worst team they might they might be trailing because they're the worst team well i mean some of the some of the times that's just having a good control variable that's okay what are some of the methodology that i like to use is is specifically controlling for you know what's the batter pitcher matchup and if you've got you know one team that just has superior players well you know there's of course, the other team is gonna uh, gonna look really bad, whether they're they've somehow managed to be ahead or behind, and they're more likely, of course, to be behind. Um, but you know, it, it's actually, you know, what you've set out, and and you, you, I, I kind of joked about it with a bigger data set, and, and you're right, that you're just not gonna get a big enough data set to examine exactly what you want, especially in the context of the playoffs, because there's only you know twenty some playoff games per year. And, and then, and that's only in the wild card era and you go further back. And of course, you know, you go way back and it just used to be a best of seven world series and that was it. Um, so as far as 
getting sample size to work with, um, that's the issue. I mean, it's, it, it, it's actually more a case of it's, it's just not, you're just not going to have the data set to support it rather than a methodological issue because you could look at, okay, um, let's code for, you know, team is behind in series team had a heartbreaking loss. However, we want to define that. And you can look at, okay, well, what was the performance? Was it better or worse than we expected or the same? Um, but as far as if you're, if you're hypothesizing that it's just such a small effect that we, you know, we just won't have the statistical power to do it. And then there's also the fact that if it's that small of an effect, why do we care? Uh uh, <laughs> you know, every every because because uh, every win is worth five million dollars, Russell. I, well, I know, <laughs> but and I I know, and you can I mean you can write a book on catching that extra two percent, but you know that's a it, it's if if you're really only getting you know that's kind of explaining one percent of uh, of your variance, then um, you know I would personally rather focus on the uh, uh, the variables that are that are uh, catching a lot more than that. What, there aren't many variables, though, that are ca catching a lot more than that. I mean, most things that you could conceivably talk about in any given in any given game are going to be one percent or less. I mean, like Miguel Cabrera going from you know MVP level to replacement level is mm -hmm. barely more than one percent. I mean, if you're going to talk about you know holding the runners on or something like that, I mean, that's what that's what people talk about. That's all basically one percent stuff over the course of a of a given game. We have podcast yeah, guess... time to fill. Well, it does, and I guess I guess some of the frustration is that um, you know we we try and chase these things down, and yeah, I understand you kind of want to any any little edge will do, but I think that there's from from you know what what even prompts me to kind of do MythBusters to begin with is that there's this idea that I think there's a bigger talk to variance explained ratio than there should be. And, you know, we spend a lot of time analyzing these tiny little details that, yeah, even if there's an effect there, don't explain all that much in terms of the variance. But uh, um, but we, we sure talk about them like they do. And when, you know, instead we should be, hey, you know, this guy's not a very good pitcher. And yet he's being used in high leverage situations. And that's dumb. You know, and that's it, it doesn't. That right there, you can only say that so many times, and so I understand you know you get to talk about something else. But there's there there there's this illusion that because it gets talked about more, it's more important. And I think you know I'd, I'd like for people to keep those types of things in perspective. All right, uh, a couple other things that you've written that are in the same vein, not playoff specific exactly, but definitely deal with things that that have kind of had the, the spotlight shown on them in the playoffs. Um, the earlier one was about bunting. Uh, mm. And I was happy that you wrote this because it's something that, that kind of frustrates me when there's sort of a, a reflexive reaction to bunts. Uh, you, the, manager, bunter, bad, yes, fired. Ex exactly, yes. And you will, you'll see that whenever, you know, if you're on Twitter, whenever a bunt happens somewhere in the world, uh, that that will be tweeted probably, and maybe there will be articles written about it. And it seems like it's based on this outdated understanding of what sabermetrics actually says about bunting. So uh, some other people have looked at this. You you also looked at this. What yeah. what did you discover? Yeah, I, I mean, part of it is that there. It's always kind of been based on you know runner runner on first, nobody out. 
is more valuable in terms of runs scored and how many runs we can expect to put on the board than runner on second and um, and one out. And, you know, that's kind of that's the classic bunt. You bunt the guy over to second, you give up the out and you take two shots with him on second and, and hope you drive him in. And uh, and so you, you kind of look at the run expectancy table and you get that. And um, uh, in the book, um, MGL did some uh, some really good work. And I remember reading that chapter and kind of going like it was one of those moments where I went, oh, wow, mm-hmm. mind blown. I, I, my life just changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I'm sitting there going, OK. And some of that is when when the manager calls for a bunt. Um, a lot of things can happen. Yeah, a lot of the time it's just, you know, the run of the batter's out, the guy goes a second, and, and and that's kind of what we've grown to come to expect. But, you know, sometimes the guy throws the ball into right field, and sometimes the batter beats it out for a hit, and sometimes, um, you know, some, well, sometimes he bunts into a double play, and, um, you know, those things do happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're the, the, the weird good things happen enough, and they are valuable enough that it almost makes bunting worth it or at least break even in certain situations mm-hmm. um you know you, you have to factor in that the guys who are asked to bunt aren't that good at hitters to begin with mm-hmm. and so we we shouldn't expect as many runs from their situations and once you factor all that in it's just i mean it, it's still they're bleeding away some some runs um i didn't put this in the article but just something i thought of afterward is that you're probably talking about your average manager is bleeding away about half a run a year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, if, like you said, if there's a bunt somewhere, there will be a thousand people calling for the manager's head and bunting is bad and, and hunt the bunt and whatever. And I, um, there, there's, there's a disconnect again between what the effect size is and the amount of fury that we do, that we devote to it. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of understand the fury that is uh, that is devoted to things like bunts and and lineup management because even if the effect isn't large, if it's proven that it's counterproductive, then why do it? Right. Yeah. Um, but with bunts, it seems like a lot of times when we're saying it's stupid, it's it's not stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a game theory aspect to it too, right. which is what MGL threw in there was. Um, you know, if you if they know you're if they know you're not going to bunt, mm-hmm. they can they can sit back. Uh, you know, the third baseman can sit back and uh, and not have to worry about it. You know, if he thinks he if it's in your his head that you might bunt, you know, maybe he cheats in a little bit. And now, if you swing away, maybe you've got a little better chance to to shoot one right by him. And and you know, you kind of have to you have to play those into account. And so, even you know, if if uh, if we if we start off saying you know, no bunts ever. And, you know, a manager came out and said before the game, I will never, ever bunt, um, you know, on, on my mother's grave, I will never, ever bunt. Um, then that's actually a strategic advantage that he's giving over to the other team. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you got to keep them honest. Okay. Uh, final myth or final hypothesis. And I'm excited to hear about this one because I haven't actually read the article yet. Uh, it will probably be up at Baseball Prospectus on Monday. So if you're listening to this, then you can go read it. But this is about shutdown innings. And this Mm -hmm. is something that I've been wondering about for quite a while. Um, And I've seen it everywhere in this postseason. I I guess it's TBS is just kind of flashing shutdown inning ERA at at various times throughout the game. 
Um, I was, I was, it's, it's gotten so pervasive yeah. that I actually thought about renaming this podcast, the shutdown <laughs> inning. Uh, you know, you might, the, it might be mistaken for a political podcast. <laughs> right. I think, yeah. So I, I mean, I've heard about this concept forever, but I was listening to a Blue Jays broadcast in May. Uh, and it was of course, Jack Morris talking to Buck Martinez about some pitcher who had, not been been good at this and and had been coughing up runs the inning after his team takes the lead and it's very demoralizing and I put that in my ideal file where it sat for the next six months or so until I emailed you and said please find out something about this um so I'm curious about whether there's any benefit to a shutdown inning over and above just any scoreless inning and whether there are actually pitchers who are good at this, who are more effective than usual in the shutdown inning, or if all we're really talking about is random run distribution and pitchers who are just good at preventing runs, period. Yeah, so I, when you sent me that email, I'm like, huh, okay, I can, I can go with this. And um, I found actually some interesting things in, uh, in terms of ones I checked to see Okay, What's, we know that some guys are just better at putting a zero on the board than others. Yes, um, that's just that's something you got to do. So I, I controlled for that. I'm like, okay, let's let's start with that. What what percentage of the time does this guy? Would we expect this guy anyway to get a uh, to put a zero up there? And then I coded for okay, is this a shutdown situation? So team just took the lead. Or they tied it, I think I, I had in my syntax, and I tried it a couple different ways, and it came up the same way each time. And it turns out, drum roll, duh, 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 um, <laughs> that was a pretty lousy I'm building, I'm building right suspense there. here. This is, of course, you know, half the people have already read the article, and they're like, come on, we already know what he's going to say. Um, no, I actually found that um, you're actually more likely to throw a shutout inning after your team either ties or takes the lead in, this, in these shutdown situations then we would we would expect you to otherwise and this is league wide everybody gets this effect every um, this is kind of the this is the aggregate effect if you will um, roughly what what size effect or what percentage increase in, <laughs> in likelihood of throwing a, a scoreless inning do you do you remember well that that's the thing I and it, I'm not sitting by my computer mm -hmm. right now but okay. it was not it was not a huge effect is the issue mm -hmm. is that it's kind of it's kind of like, oh, that's no, there's a little bump there, mm -hmm. and it's not, you know, I mean, it's it's nothing to, um, it's nothing to kick and scream about. It's it's just a little one. It's it's significant, and you know, so there's so it's at least out there, but uh, you know, I, I interpreted that as you know, we, the narrative is that you know you're you're some brave warrior who's now gone, and and of course that all important momentum. You know, you have your team has seized the momentum, and now you are snarling at the other team who's trying to steal it back. And you mm -hmm. are, um, and and it turns out that uh, that actually the other team um, that you're you're actually more likely than we would expect you to be to to throw a uh, a shutout inning or a shutdown inning uh, as the mm -hmm. uh, as the parlance goes. So, which is uh, which is kind of cool. I I, I hadn't uh, hadn't expected that one. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other issue was, okay, well now past the fact that you just threw a shutdown inning, that's a good thing. I mean, there's, there's no way around that one. Um, past that, is there any, anything extra about it? And so I looked and I'm like, okay. And again, 
very it, it turns out the answer is yeah there's a tiny tiny little effect it's it's this is going to make sam happy because he likes when know, these yeah, things are confirmed yeah it's you know it's i mean it is it is there it is tiny and you do get and, and it, it then it depends on how you define it and and sometimes it comes up significant and sometimes it's not but there's kind of enough there they kind of go eh, yeah i guess there's a little bit there um beyond just the fact that you know you threw a scoreless inning and, uh, and, and that's, uh, that's cool. Um, so, you know, there's, there, again, this kind of gets into the talk versus talk, uh, amount versus importance, mm-hmm. uh, debate or uh, issue that we, we talked a little bit earlier. Um, uh, but that's, uh, it, it's out there. It's, it's interesting. And I, um, you know, this is one of those ones I went into, I'm like, oh, this is gonna, this is gonna t- come out as total crap. And, um, and I'm going to hate Ben for sending in, I got crap. I got to write another myth buster. There's no effect sort of thing. And I'm just going to look like, you know, a pompous fool who's just here to shoot things down. And, and then now, you know, I get to, um, I get to write an article that's a little bit more, uh, a little bit more, yeah, you know, there might be something to this. And have you had a chance to answer the, the last question, which is whether this is a skill or not, or just something that happens sometimes and not other times? Well, here's the thing is that I looked and I, I went through, you know, a lot of the um, uh, the the stuff I've done in the past on on reliability. And I said, OK, how many how many innings do we need before we have a good idea of whether or not you're you're good at this sort of a of shutting down? And I mm-hmm. just for sample size purposes, I had to take it back to the the definition was your team just scored whether or not you took the lead or you're tied or something like that. That's that we're not going to deal with that right now. Just after you are, after your team scored, can you uh, hold the fort? Mm -hmm. And it turns out that you'd need, Oh, something on the order of about 260 innings, um, before of these, of these possible shutdown innings Mm. before we can tell whether you, you know, what you're, your, we have a reliable estimate of your true talent. So and if you think about it, so I mean, a that's a few seasons at least. Yeah, it's a couple seasons yeah. worth. So, so, you know, we want to know, okay, what was his shutdown percentage this year? Well, that's going to be a little misleading because that's going to bounce around. Mm-hmm. So I think you can, I think you can honestly start talking about um, certain guys on, you know, a multi-season basis. And over the past few years, he's been, particularly handy with, um, with shutdown innings and, um, uh, you know, maybe if you want to talk about a career or something like that and, you know, you brought up Jack Morris and, um, you know, maybe, uh, maybe if I have time, I'll go back and, um, take a look at his stats and see whether he was good at those shutdown innings or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, above and beyond, uh, what he was, he normally did. So, uh, you know, that's, it's, it's at this point, it's one of those things that's not really good on a seasonal level. Um, but I think in a broader context, you might actually be able to draw some sort of conclusion from it. Interesting. Okay. Well, that will be my next email to you. If, if you don't include that in the article, I will ask you which, which pitchers have been good and bad at this. Um, okay. Well, I'm glad we could end on a not completely debunked note. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that article will be up uh, Monday at Baseball Prospectus. You can go back and and read all of Russell's articles. His column is called Baseball Therapy. Some of these recent myth-busting ones have been free for non-subscribers. So you can 
go read those, and then I'm sure you'll be convinced to subscribe by the end of the article. Uh, we have a couple days until the World Series starts, so we'll do some discussion of that over the next couple episodes, and you can send us emails at podcast at baseballprospectus.com. So thank you for joining us and, and sharing your wisdom again, Russell. Yeah, I got to go because my wife's going into labor again. <laughs> we won't, All right, we thanks, won't have guys. you on for a while <laughs> again. We'll give you a break. All right. All right. Thank you. Take care.